And so everybody always likes tries to pick like the person in the Bible that you really like connect with. And, you know, sometimes it's like Solomon because you think you're really smart and you're really wise. And, and sometimes it's David because, you know, you, you think that um, you're a really good dancer. Um, I don't know. Uh, and so, you know, we try to connect with these people. And, um, and I think the reason we do that is because we want to we know that we're not alone. We want to know that there are other things out there that we connect with uh, in the Bible. And I, uh, in the past few years, have really connected with a guy um, in Mark chapter 5. And it's really probably not a popular person to think that you connect with, um, but it is who I am. And I was going to kind of read through the story and just kind of interject um, some things. And so it says, They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he has dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And the reason I connect with this is because uh, I'm in recovery. Um, if, if you want to come to CR, we'd love to have you. Uh, but uh, my issues were uh, alcoholism and depression. And those shackles and those chains uh, were real. Um, and, and every time I would try to break out of them and break free from them, you know, I would do well for a little bit and then I'd slide right back into it. And I would continue to try to overcome that. But I, I think worse than for me at least, for worse than the alcoholism was really the fact that I, I was trapped in my mind, that the depression had taken over to the point um, that I, I couldn't get out. Um, and, and so I felt like I was living amongst these tombs. I, I felt like I was living in a graveyard every day because I felt that I didn't have anything to give anybody. And it says, constantly day and night he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. If you've ever had uh, issues with depression or self-hatred or self-loathing, uh, you, you understand what this guy's going through. Because even when you want to believe the best about yourself and even when you want to grow and even when you want to overcome those things, it just takes like one more thing to remind you of the lie of the enemy. It, it takes one more thing to send you into a place. And, you know, it talks about himself gashing himself with stones. Um, I also, in the midst of my depression and um, alcoholism, I, I became uh, suicidal and had an attempt. And so I, I do get this guy. I, I get this guy so much. And it says, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. So most people know with depression, um, addiction, whatever, you, you know that you're not living right. You, you know that there are things out there that you know aren't bringing you um, to a place that you really want to connect with God. And so even when I would go to church and, 
you know, I felt that there was a calling on my life when I was 16, and, and I believe that God had a purpose for me, and I believe that, you know, he created me to do these things. And then I stopped doing them. And I start, started believing lies over and over that I wasn't good enough. And, you know, if I can't get this right, then how can you get that right? And so when I came to church, I, I figured that, I was just one of those guys that God couldn't use. And I was in this place where I truly and honestly believed that there was nothing good about me. But Jesus then said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, of the, unclean, coming out the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. This is, by the way, the first documented case of suicide. So... Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed a man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Here's the, here's the hard part. When you start to find healing and you start to find recovery and you start to find grace, people are going to be afraid of you. Because they're going to want you to behave the same way you used to behave. And they're going to control you the same way that they used to control you. And, and when you understand who God is and what he means to you and how he wants the best for you, even when you have made mistakes and even when you have a past and even when you feel like you don't have a purpose, God is still there saying, you know what, I'm going to take what it, what it is and I'm still going to do some things through you. But people will get frightened by that. And those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave the region. Now, if you know anything about old um, Jewish customs, you also know that in Israel, you really shouldn't be raising pigs because they're an unclean animal. And so the people that are telling him, to leave and get out of here are the same people that are denying their faith. And so when you change your life and you start living the promises of God out, and people around you that aren't doing the right things don't want you there anymore because you're upsetting the apple cart, you're upsetting what they have going on, and when you start to question some of their behaviors and their belief, they just uh, just move on, just just go on. And so it says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he didn't let him. But he said to them, or said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Sometimes... God asks you to testify and be a testimony. And 
and, and so, you know, that's kind of where I was and the kind of things that I had been struggling with. Um, it's a whole longer story, too, but um, some people want to go to lunch today, I think. So, anyway, Matthew uh, 22, 37 through 39 was really difficult for me when, when I started getting into recovery and I started to try to rebuild my relationship with Christ. And most of us know this probably by heart. Uh, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. I get that one. That, that one I get. The back end of that, though, is the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I didn't love myself, y'all. I'm just, you know, early on in my recovery, um, for years, I, I just felt I wasn't worthy of love. And, and so trying to figure out how to love other people when I didn't love myself is, is really a big problem. And I got to that place because, as the four, first point points out, often we place more weight in the opinion of others than we do the one who loves us the most. And we can believe those opinions are reality when, in fact, they're lies straight from the enemy. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when I get on Facebook and I'm, I start scrolling through the feed, I mean, there's lots of dad jokes in my feed. I don't know about y'all, but um, but as I'm scrolling through that feed and I see people and I'm like, man, I wish I had what they had. Or I wish that I could, you know, be doing what they're doing. And we take what people are trying to impress people with and we act like that's reality. We, we, don't, we don't see the, like, the dirty clothes hamper that's piled up. We don't see the fact that people don't even have, like, hampers. But, you know, here we are, and, it, and we get to this place where we put more weight on those things than we do the reality of who Jesus says we are. In Proverbs 18.2, it says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his mind. If you ever get in a fight with anybody... It's never about understanding. It's about, I want to be right because you're wrong. And so, if you ever get into a fight with somebody that doesn't have your best interest at heart, and they start telling you what you are and why you are, and they start telling you you're worthless, and they start telling you that you're too skinny, they tell you you're too fat, you're too short, you're too tall, you know, whatever it is, they just start throwing things out trying to tear you down. And what we don't understand is it's not about their understanding. It's about taking you to the place that you're a servant to them. But look what John, um, Jesus says in John. But because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. We're in a culture <laughs> and, a, and a frame of, of reference right now where truth is questioned as falsity. That we're in a place in time where when we look at truth, it's like, yeah, but if I do this, it's not that bad, so therefore it's okay. Well, no, there's truth and then there is lies. And I think that's the problem is, is that too often, we find condemnation 
in our lives. And the next point says, condemnation not only destroys your value of yourself, but it will ultimately destroy your will, your purpose, your relationship, and eventually your very life. When we believe condemnation and we believe the opinions of others that aren't founded in truth and aren't founded in Scripture, it will push you to that point where you will lose everything. And I say your very life, uh, A, I know what that's like. I've, I've been in that situation. But also, you know, if you looked at the verse right before John 8, uh, 45, is 844, obviously, and it says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. Wait a minute. So his initial nature of the enemy is a murderer. He doesn't care about anything else but taking you out. And then how does he do it? And he doesn't stand in truth. Because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. If you believe what other people say about you, if you believe these thoughts that come into your head that you're not good enough or you don't have it together or, or whatever else, you're, you're partnering with a murderer and a liar. And so when we look at this, there are so many times where in my own life I was, I'm not good enough and I, I don't have it together and I messed this relationship up and I messed this relationship up and I don't know what else to do and yet we look at it and it all comes from a person who doesn't care about us at all. But here's the great news. John 3.17 says this. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We, we, we don't understand this process. We don't understand that there's something greater for us. We don't understand this. But God did not come like this cosmic whack-a-mole, right? Where he's just waiting for you to do something wrong so he can smack you back down. There's so many people that believe that. There's so many people that, that trust that that's who God is. And by his very own son, he says to us, I don't want to condemn you. I just want to save you. That doesn't mean that he's going to leave us where we are. That doesn't mean that there are things that we can do and we don't have punishment for and all that kind of stuff. But what it does mean is that the nature of God wants us to get better, not to get worse. The next point, the world will lie to you and make you believe that if you are having a crisis, then you can't truly be a follower of Christ. But God says, not only do I see you, but I'm there in the midst of the pain with you. Unfortunately, life happens, right? And things don't go exactly the way we planned and, and all these things. And the world's like, well, you, if you don't have it together, Facebook will tell you, well, you know, if you're not doing this right, then it's not going to be good. And then there's the deeper crises. 
Maybe you're in depression, and you can smile and act like everything's okay, but inside it, it's, it's not. And, and it doesn't just get better, and then, you know, somebody says, well, just pray about it, and it'll go away, and sometimes that doesn't happen, and, and we don't have the tools that we need to really understand what that looks like, and we just believe that God gave up on us. That's what condemnation does, is it takes you away from the truth of who God is. But God says, not only do I see you, but I'm there in the midst of the pain with you. Isaiah 40, 31 is a verse that um, somebody taught me a long time ago. His name was uh, Dr. John Claypool, and he had lost his daughter to leukemia uh, when she was eight. And he, and he looked at this verse one time, and he, he, he thought about it for a long time, and it says, Though youths may grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And for most of us, uh, we've heard this, and we're like, oh, we're going to soar, we're going to fly. And if we're not flying, then we've got issues. That's not, that's not what it says. Because God knows where you are. Sometimes you're going to be on the mountaintop, and everything's great, and everything's wonderful, and you're going to mount up, and you're going to soar like eagles. And some days, it's going to be that you're in this constant grind, and you just can't get past what you need to get past, and you just feel like you're running in a hamster wheel the whole time, and nothing that you do seems to be working out, and God's promise is what? That you're not going to get tired, because he's with you. And sometimes, it says that there are going to be times when you just feel like you can't put the foot in front of the next foot in front of the next foot. And God says, I'm not letting you going to be faint. I'm not letting you going to fall out. I'm still there with you. And I, I know what you're going through. And I, I know the pain that you're, you're seeing. And I even know what the enemy is trying to tell you about yourself in those situations. And, and I know that the enemy is just sitting there telling you that you're worthless, but you have worth, and I'm here in the midst of it with you. Because condemnation is not who he is. Conviction, on the other hand, is a whole different topic. Conviction comes not from a judgment or a one-time event. Conviction is built through relationship with the one who loves us the most spending time with him and making him the center of our lives. Because you know when you're like a little kid and you're messing around and you know you're doing wrong and your parents find out, like, like when you're like eight or nine, like when you're 13 you, you turn into something else, but like when you're eight or nine and, and they're talking to you the worst punishment that, that they could have given me was not a spanking, time out, washing my mouth out with soap was up there. But um, the worst punishment I could get was them looking at me and saying, I'm disappointed. That, 
That's what conviction is. It, it's, it's when you realize that you've hurt somebody who loves you and you desire to, to make it better. Because com- conviction is about relationship, y'all. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know that you're doing wrong. And you, don't, you don't have those things. And, and you just run around freely. But conviction comes not from a judgment. It's about spending time and understanding who he is. Psalms 119.11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I not, may not sin against you. That, that word is also translated uh, hidden instead of treasured. So if you know me, I have this unfortunate desire to collect comic books. And so I, I especially when mom and dad are with me, I, I like to go because they pay for things. And um, i just got to be honest. Um, but we went to this place yesterday in Muscle Shoals, and um, they had like a stack of comics. And so I'm looking through them, I'm looking through them, and I'm, I'm like the geek enough that has like an app that you can put in the comic book issue number, and then you can tell what its value is. And so as I'm going through this and I'm looking, I'm like, this one's seven bucks. That's interesting. Look it up, look it up, look it up. It's worth 90 bucks. Okay, yeah, we'll get that one. You know, keep searching, keep searching. There's another one. Now look it up. And it's the fourth issue of incredible science fiction. It's worth $740. And so, of course, I'm like, okay, we're going to go up to the counter. We're going to, like, buy them. And we're not going to say what they're worth. Because we don't want them to think, like, that they're getting, you know, have the uh, wool pulled over their eyes. And so we get, you, you go up and you, and you tell them, and, then, and you're like, yeah, this is a good one. And, and the guy was even like, I didn't know we had one that worth that much up there. And, and you're just like, yeah, you did. Um, and I got it, and I've already paid for it, so no take backs. Um, and so we have this amazing thing, right? And my point is this, is I will take those things and um, I'll put them in a box, and I'll put them with a board, and I'll put them in a bag, and, and I'll make sure that they're safe, and I'll make sure that, that I, I've protected them, and I treasure them. And that's what we ought to be doing with God's Word, y'all. We ought to be taking every single truth and every single thing that, that means something to us out of a Scripture, because it's that relationship that you understand how to overcome those things. It, it's taking those, those truths of who God is that says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that I, I will love you, and nothing can separate you from how much I love you. And you take those, and you don't necessarily board and bag them, but you take them and you, you hide them in there so that when something comes along that is not truth, and something comes along that is totally anti who God is, you can pull those out and say, that ain't me. 
And so when people come against you and they, and they tell you that, you know what, you're not good enough, that's not true. The same God that said that I created you in your mother's womb and, and the same God that said I sang over you is the same God who will tell you that you're worth so much. That you are worth sending his son to pass away for you. Raise again on the third day so that you can have life everlasting. And the other thing I think is important about getting in a relationship is that John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, again, uh, culture in, in that part of the world in that, in that period of time, and I'm probably still today, but when you came and, and kind of spent the night in a town, you would, they had a pasture, and you'd put your sheep in this pasture, but you put your sheep with everybody else's sheep, and they'd all go in. And so, you know, it talks about, Jesus says, I'm the gate. Well, the gate usually was the shepherd laying in front of the area where they left. And so you have this picture of Jesus being the shepherd, and it says that the sheep will know my voice. Well, each shepherd had their own individualized call for their sheep. And so some, you know, it may have been a whistle. Some, it may have been, sheep, get over here. I, I don't know. Uh, and, and maybe it was like a clicking sound, like when you call a dog. Uh, my personal one, like when, when I have um, had dogs, like I snap. Like, I, I get the dog's attention, and it'll just come to me. And so, you know, snap and, um, but the reason I say this is because we're in a pen with a lot of people, and not all of them are following God right now. And so we can listen to shepherds that are leading people astray, and we can listen to people on the news or on social media or in all these different areas of life that are trying to call us away from our purpose. Or we can listen to God just continually saying, I love you. I want the best for you. I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. And that's what it says. My sheep hear my voice and they, I know them and they know me because they've built relationship. Yeah, I, I had a awesome dog, best dog ever. Uh, your dog has nothing on my dog. Uh, I'm just going to be honest about it. But when I snapped, Ava stopped what she was doing and came to me every time. And that's what we ought to be to God. Like we can hear the truth and just turn and listen to the truth. And the next thing is it says, next point, your creator cares about you to the point that he bottles up your tears, even the ones you hid from the world. There is nobody on this earth that knows all the pain that you've gone through. It's just not really possible because our experiences are different and, and all that. But God does. In Psalms 56, 8, it says, you have taken account of my wanderings, put my tears in a bottle, 
are they not in your book? He, he knows, and he loves you. And, and what he wants you to understand is that even when you go through those hard times and even when you go with the, the times where tears just come, he's put it all in this book and he remembered it. And he kept an account. And the reason this is important, in my opinion, is you have Psalms 56, 8, but then you have Revelation 21, 4. And it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed. He knows your pain, but he's already made a way for you not to have it anymore. He, he's already made a way that you will no longer cry. He's already made a way that you're no longer going to mourn because he cares about you. And so often, you know, again, we just see God as this detached being that doesn't understand what I'm going through. And he's saying, I, I do. I've kept an account, and I made a way that you'll never have to suffer again. Now, does that mean that, you know, when I, when I accept Jesus, that everything's going to be, you know, lollipops and rainbows? No. But it does mean when we get to the place where we meet Jesus face to face, face he's going to look at us, and we're going to have nothing but joy. And the last point, God is constantly speaking life into you through his word, and he's madly in love with you. I, I have a buddy, and one of his lines he, he loves to use is this. He says, show me your five best friends, and I'll show you your future. Because the people that you have around you and the people that are closest to you are going to affect the way you believe. They're going to tell you things that are either going to be grace-filled, truth-filled statements, or they're going to tell you lies that are not true because of their anger, because of their frustration, or whatever else. But God is constantly saying, I love you. I'm here for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. But the only way that we get that relationship is not just the people around us, but it's also the daily commitment to finding him. Whether that's through prayer, whether that's through scripture, I mean, I encourage you to do all of it, um, whether that's just singing and humming a song about who he is. That's how you find him. He'll find you first, and he'll try to, try to un get you to understand how much he loves you because he's madly in love with you. And I think a lot of times we look at that, and we're like, yeah, I mean, that's just a phrase that people say. But the, the real word for mad used to be what? If you were mad, you were crazy, right? Is there anything more crazy 
than sending your son to die for somebody that doesn't even know you. That's what mad love is. And I'm going to close with this. That dog I was talking about, Ava, beautiful English bulldog. We got her for Christmas one year. Uh, we were in Atlanta, and, and in Atlanta, if you know anything, you know, bulldogs in Atlanta have some value. I, I don't know why, but people will actually steal them. In, in fact, two weeks before this story uh, happened, uh, there was somebody held up in Piedmont Park to steal their bulldog by gunpoint. And so, you know, I, I never knew how much you could fall in love with an animal until I had Ava. And I had some great animals over the years, um, but Ava was just special to me. And we're coming home one day from the store. We lived on a third floor walk-up apartment. If you know anything about walk-up apartments, being on the third floor, like, when you're bringing in groceries, you got to do it all, right? And so, you know, you got, like, 15 bags in your left hand, and you got, like, a case of Cokes under your arm, and you got a case of toilet paper on this arm, and you've got this hand that's, like, for, like, all the fragile stuff, like the bread and the chips and eggs and... And the, the key is, just if you need help understanding this, the key is the key. You got to have the key in the right spot when you're like twisted all up. And so when you finally be, are able to get to that door, you got to be able to like stick the key in, turn it without dropping everything, right? And so it's one of those that um, it's kind of like a half flight of stairs. Like you go up half a flight, you turn, come back and go half a flight, and you're on the second floor, and then third floor, same thing. Obviously, like you wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, but the thing I love about Ava is somebody once said, the reason that people love dogs is because every time you come home, they treat you like the Beatles. And they just go nuts and, and, and all that stuff. And so um, I get the key in the door, got everything in, the, and I'm like, and, and just open it. And for whatever reason, Ava was really happy that day, but it wasn't about seeing me. It was about getting outside. And so she hits that door, you know, flies open, and she's running down the stairs, and, like, I'm dropping everything. And so, like, the Cokes are, like, just popped open the chips because they're all made of air, and so it just, you know, blows apart. And the eggs are broken, and the bread's smushed, and, and all this kind of stuff is happening. And all I'm thinking about is I don't care about that stuff. I care about my dog. And um, I'm running down, and, and you know, by the time I get to the landing on the second floor, she's already hit the door. And if you know anything about bulldogs, they're like a concrete brick. So when they're running full speed and they hit the door, that thing flies open because all doors by fire code have to open out, right? So she hits that door, and she's gone. And I'm running, and I'm running, and running, running down. And she gets about 20 yards from the door, and I'm freaking out because we're in a, it's Atlanta, right, y'all? I mean, cars are everywhere. Um, and then, like, the thought of, like, somebody's going to steal her and, and all this kind of stuff goes through your head. And she runs out, and she gets about 20 yards, 
and I'm yelling, Ava, Ava, and a snap, and she turns, and she sees me, and she looks at me and runs straight back to me. Too often I'm like Ava with God. God has granted me freedom to do whatever I want to do. God has granted me freedom to do amazing things or things that disappoint him. And in that moment, I realized God wants not only for me to have freedom, but also wants to see me turn and run back into his arms and jump. And I think that's I think that's where a lot of us get confused about things is because we've been told these lies and this condemnation for so long that some, for some reason we believe God doesn't want the best for us. So if you'll dim the lights, it's maybe a weird thing that we do today, but it's okay. You know I like comic books, so it's weird. But I just want to get you to a place of worship and close your eyes and bow your head. If you're like me, you, you probably struggle with some condemnation. And usually there's like one spot that you just can't get past. And so... The thing I want you to do, we say this in CR all the time, you're only as sick as your secrets. And so whatever it is that you feel that is condemning you, whatever you feel that is taking you away from your purpose, at the count of three, I'd like you just to be verbally say it out loud. You know, we've gone through these sermons about confession and how that allows us to start the process. And so, if we all do it at the same time, then nobody's singled out. So, I really encourage you to let go of whatever the condemnation is. And so, just speak it out in three, two, one. And so maybe some of you have been living in condemnation for a long time, and you never knew who Jesus was. And you want to be in that place again where you, you know him personally, and you haven't made that commitment. If there's anybody here in the room that wants to make that first-time decision to accept Jesus, I ask you to go ahead and stand up. Something we do every day, as Ian says. But we're also online, and so there might be somebody making a decision online. So just repeat after me. Dear Father, we love you. We are amazed by you. Thank you for your willingness to take 
my sin and my faults and my failures and wash them away through the blood of your Son. You have forgiven me. You have set me free. And you've given me purpose. So God, we thank you for that. And we love you that you are a God who loves us. So bless this day for your glory and your honor. Amen. Well, we are so thankful that you came and worshiped with us today. Um, Ian will be back, I believe, next week. So um, if you're like first time here, you're like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. Don't worry. It's like once in a blue moon. So, uh, but we love you. Uh, if you are new, uh, we'd love to meet you back there uh, by the obnoxiously orange table. And also, if you haven't signed up for Encounter and the Grow class, please consider doing that. Uh, there's lots of things that just will set you free through that process. So we love you and we thank you.